How many of you heard this, the sermon last week? Yes? How many were challenged by the sermon last week? Me too. Okay? God is calling us into that place of battle. And today, as we, as we press into this, uh, this sermon today, I just really get a sense from the Lord that He wants us to continue in that vein. So I'm going to beat the same drum, but I'm going to hit it on a different part. Okay? And so I just encourage you to have your heart open to what the Lord is doing right now because He is moving and He is moving mightily. Uh, also, I just, I am so excited. After one week, we're, we're over halfway financially towards the blessing of the, the ICU ward here in St. Mary's Hospital. You guys are wonderful. I'm so encouraged by that. Let's keep it going. Let's do it. And if you, if you have, if you've put forward a, that $10 offering and maybe you put forward a number of those $10 offerings, put forward the blessing as well. Okay, write down that blessing. It can be as simple as thank you, we see you, and we love you, and we're praying for you. And it can even be far more complex to whatever the Lord puts on your heart to demonstrate that he is, he is speaking to that individual who's on the receiving end of that message. We're going to be blessing each of these. We're going to be praying over them. We're going to be asking the Lord to speak life into dark places and hard uh, challenging places for those who are, are walking in the, literally the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death on our behalf and on the behalf of this community on a daily basis. It's a hard place to be. So we're going to be blessing those words. So I just encourage you, don't just give the money. That's wonderful. It's a financial blessing. It's practical. It's meaningful. We, we want to do that. But also is the other side of let's speak life into the lives of those who are receiving that as well. Okay? It's a, there's a double blessing that's coming through that. Let's pray right now before we get into the word. Father, we're just so grateful for the opportunity to come before you this morning. We thank you that you are with us. You've sent Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us. Your Holy Spirit is already in this room. You've been ministering to us. You've been receiving our ministry to you. Lord, I thank you for all the ways that you are interacting with us today. So we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, as we open the word this morning, that you would breathe across it. That you would breathe across this word, that it would be life to us, that you would speak to us through your word, Lord, in meaningful ways, that we would hear your voice in new and practical ways today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for everything you're teaching us today, and I thank you for how you're calling and you're lifting our eyes up to see your face, Jesus, to behold you, to worship you, to lift your name on high. You are glorious. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we have been singing this morning and speaking this morning things that are coming forward in the message this morning. And I'm excited about that because it's, it's so good to see how the Holy Spirit moves in all these different ways. It is an honor for me to be able to come to you today and to preach the Word of God. I'm going to say that again. It is an honor for me to come to you today and to preach the Word of God. We are honored to be living in such a time as this. It is an honor for us to be able to come together in His presence, whether we're here in the room or on, online, regardless, in this time to lift the name of Jesus on high in the midst of such a dark hour, it is an honor for us to do that. 
We are not just coming here and only singing songs that sound great. With words that we like and with melodies that we can go along with. We are here to honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are honored to bring him our worship. We are honored to bring him our sacrifice of praise. We are honored to be able to have audience with the God of the universe and to be able to pray to him and speak with him and to hear from him and to have him wrap his arms around us. For us to have the ability to come boldly before the throne of grace, to fall on our face before him and know that he loves us. This is a great honor. It's not just church. And it doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. It is a great honor for us to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's one question. One question that ultimately matters above everything else that you'll ever experience. One question. And that's this. Do you belong to Jesus or not? When all the chips are down, when you give up your last breath because you are going to physically die. All of us, except for those who get raptured whenever that happens, okay? You are going to physically die. You will have a last day on earth. You will have a last breath. The last gift of breath from God will exit your lungs and you'll breathe no more here on earth. And all of us has a future in eternity. Where's your destination? And it all comes down to this. Do you belong to Jesus or not? It's a simple question with profound outcomes. And each one of us is given that option of how we're going to answer it. Yes or no. There are no maybes. There are no, I'm not sure. There's none of that. It's either yes or no. Do you belong to Jesus or not? And if you do belong to Jesus, there are certain expectations that he has of you on how you're going to live your life. I don't find much comfortable about the Christian life. Okay? But I don't want what the alternative of comfort would bring. It's hollow. It's empty. There is no hope. There is no positive future in that. You may have for a time comfort and relief and nice times, but it's a place of sorrow, of darkness, and ultimately destruction of you. And none of it glorifies God. Because remember, it is an honor for us to live our lives glorifying the Father, the God of the universe, to have a relationship with Him, 
to be found in him and to have him moving through us. It is a great honor. It's the greatest honor possible. It's what the initial design was. That he would have sons representing him on his behalf, male and female. Sons representing him on his behalf here in the earth in time and space, ruling and reigning, representing him. To have their nature matured to a place of exact representation of the one who begat them. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 24 today. If you're a first-time guest, welcome. We're glad to have you here with us. We like to get into the Word. So hopefully you brought your Bible with you today. If not, we've got one up on the screen. And I would also recommend you open up your Bible app or get one if you don't already have one. Because it's important for us to get into the Word. We, we love the Word of God. We love the Word of God. You want to consume this. You want it to consume you. You want it to measure you. It is the standard that he has put here in the earth, written down for your benefit, so that you can always go there, because there is an answer for every problem that you'll ever encounter right here in the Word of God. But it's not a hollow and empty book. We have the Father. We have the Son. We have the Holy Spirit. And we're to have a relationship with them. And he leads us and he guides us as we go here. So you can say, look, I put something in there for you right here. So we want to consume this thing. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. (sighs) Build your house on the rock. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell. And the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. When we look at these words here, they speak in two dimensions. Actually, probably speak in more dimensions than that, but we're going to talk about two dimensions that they speak in. They speak about the here and now. We have been, as a people and individually, going through a season. We spoke about this last week of great fear, of great turmoil, of great shaking, of waves crashing over the boat, of fear for our lives. Fear for the lives of those that we love. Losing lives of those that we love. Seeing just all sorts of things crashing around. The shaking that we have been through has been real. It's not just been, it's not just been a fairy tale. It's a real thing that we've been through. And Jesus says, If your house is built on the rock, that is me, him, Jesus, the rock, then your house is going to stand. Because it's, it's founded on a sure foundation. 
That brings us through the here and now. That brings us through the temporal settings that we go through in life. And be sure of this. What we're going through right now is not the last shaking that we will go through. 150 years from now, there will be other shakings that people are going through. Because we each have to go through shakings in our lives. We each face the same types of things, not the exact same events, but we each will encounter shakings that take place in our lives where we are tested as to whether we have rooted our foundation in the rock or if we've built it on the sand. Some of us have found, man, i got a lot of sand under my foundation. I think I need to shift where my house is built. I think I need to shift myself over to the rock. I've seen some parts falling off my house. Lost a couple rooms over in that wing there. Anybody else? Maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. But your foundation is not founded on the rock. See, each of us has to make a choice about where we are going to build our house. Is it going to be on the rock or is it going to be on the sand? There's only one rock that you can build on. All else is sinking sand. We must build upon the rock. You know, all throughout Scripture, we find, we find references to the rock. God the rock. Jesus the rock. The stone. The living stone. You are living stones being built into the temple of God. He is the chief corner stone. So, when you see references to rock like this, it is important that you recognize there's probably some reference in there to God or Jesus in that. God the Father or Jesus. Let's go to Psalms. We're going to start in Psalm 18. We're going to be all over Scripture today. You're going to be flipping lots of pages, so just get used to it. Psalm 18. 1 through 3. I love you, Lord. My strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. Hallelujah. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our stronghold. He is the one who comes around and protects us. He is our shield. Are we founded in him? I mean, are we truly founded in him? Today today is a day that each of us should be looking at our lives before the Lord and saying, if I truly inspect my house right now, am I founded on the rock? That shaking that takes place in our lives, even when you're founded on the rock, can make you tighten up a bit. But when you have found your house shaken, 
Do you find that you are on the firm foundation of Christ, or do you find yourself sinking continually because there's nothing, there's no floor beneath you? I can't answer that question for any of you. Only you can answer that for yourself. Because that's going to be a a test and a testimony about what it is that you have put your trust in. Let's go to Psalm 61. Man, I've been in this one this week a couple of times. Has anybody else faced distraction this week? I'm talking about like more distractions than you normally face. Anybody else? I've been in all sorts of distractions this week. Like, Lord, I'm here, I'm with you, we're talking about this, and all of a sudden I'm back over to this thing again. Back over here. Lord, I'm with you. Off again. It's the wrestling we do because we have an enemy that is trying to bring up distractions and sideshows that keep us away from our true focus to be rooted and founded in Jesus. We're to be at peace and we're to be at rest in him, no matter what's going on outside, no matter what's going on inside. But to find, again, that place of rest in him where we surrender all again. We come back to that place again and again and again. And if you don't have him, you don't have that place. But it's open and available for all of us. Psalm 61, lead me to the rock. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call you when my heart is faint. This phrase right here has just been echoing in my ears. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You can probably sit and ponder that all day. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There's other translations that say, to lift me upon the rock that is higher than I. Jesus is the rock. He is above all things. He's above us. He's a place of safety. He calls us up and says, come on up here. I want to show you my perspective. Here's the hint. His perspective is always better than your perspective. His perspective is always better than your perspective. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelters of your wings. Selah. Pause. Reflect. What is it he's saying to you? For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Now, David is the king. But you're all kings and priests, if you're in Christ. Prolong the life of the king. Make his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So I will ever, so will I ever sing your praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. That last line there, as I perform my vows day after day, helps us to recognize that as we go through life, as we continue in the things that we have committed ourselves to in him, as we go about our lives in Christ, with our work, with our jobs, with our families, with everything else that we have to do. 
I commit myself day after day in this place of coming before him and saying, lift me to the rock that is higher than I. You are my refuge, Lord. You are my strong tower. Let's go to Psalm 125. Verses 1 and 2. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. It's still true today. It will always be true. This time forth and forevermore. He surrounds his people. If you're found in him, you cannot be moved. You stay firmly in that place, in him, with your house built on the rock. Storms, winds, waves, hurricanes, shakings, all of it. You cannot be moved because you are anchored in a rock that is eternal. And he is alive. And he is encamped around you. He surrounds you. You are found in him. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. Nothing. He says, abide in me. Abide in him. If all you can do is stand, then stand. Because you're planted in him. And trust in him. Because he will go before you. He will protect you. Hallelujah, Lord. All right, we're going to jump forward to Philippians 3. There's a thread through all of this today. Remember, the question is, do you belong to Jesus or not? Belonging to Jesus isn't just about going to church It isn't just about meeting in small groups. It isn't just about reading the Bible. It isn't just about following the principles of the faith. It isn't just about following the law. It isn't just about those things. It's about knowing Him. It all comes down to this. Do you belong to Jesus or not? And ultimately that question is, do you know Him? And it's the type of knowing of of following Him, of being led by Him, of knowing Him intimately because you have relationship with Him. It's not just about rules. It's not just about structures. It's not even just about the power and the authority. It is about, do you have a relationship with Him? Are you His? Are you His? If you're his, you will follow his commands. Listen to what Paul says here in Philippians. I'm going to read this whole chapter. Okay. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. 
Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Here's Paul's credentials. This man is bold. Okay? Here's my credentials. Let me just pull them out of my pocket. I'm just going to drop them right here. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. That's a bold statement right there. I was born into the right place. I was right before I was even born. And I have chosen to follow after God as zealously as I possibly could, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. All of those things and everything else associated with them is a loss for the sake of Christ. doesn't matter what I did. It's all a loss. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything in life None of it matters because it all pales in comparison to knowing him. Knowing him. Because that is the whole point. Do you know him or not? Are you his? Do you belong to him? For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Listen to this. Own this. You know this man's credentials. You can read much of his writing right here in the Bible. But I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Come on. Do you belong to Jesus or not? He says, I belong to Jesus. And I press on. For the prize. I press on and I keep going deeper and I haven't attained it yet. I'm going. I am his. I'm secure. But I haven't made it all the way to what he has for me. And I'm going to keep on going with every breath that I have. You you look further on into, uh, into Paul's life and he's at the end and he's saying, Look, I've run my race. I've kept the faith. This This is before that. He says, at the end, I've done this, and my life is being poured out as a drink offering now. He's calling others to follow in, in what he's done in his lead. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if any think Anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. 
Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Walk like me. Follow me as I'm following Jesus. And the others that do the same types of thing as me, allow them to be examples in your life too. Because we're all pressing on and straining towards that goal. Striving in rest. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. These are incredible promises, and they're for each of us to lay hold of. For each of us to lay hold of, to strain on, to recognize that God has called us to press into him. I want to know Christ. Does Paul know Christ? Yes. Yes. But he says, I want to know Christ. What's he implying there? I have to know him more. I need more of him. And it's only going to happen as I strain on towards him, as he brings me through these places where my life is being shaken, where it's unstable unless I walk further out on the edge with him. And I keep finding my security in him. I'm going to find him and I'm going to know him more. As I let everything else go behind me, I strain on towards this one thing, to know Christ, to participate in his sufferings, because he's called me into that place. I'm going to find life if I do that. You know, Jesus, when he prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17, he says this is eternal life. They would know you, the one true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We call these things, we call this salvation, right? But it's the knowing Him. It's the knowing Him. It's not fire insurance, folks. It's not that I got my policy and I can come in through the pearly gates. Do you know Him? Do you belong to Him? Is there evidence in your life that that is true. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Starting verse 9. Because... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, Wanda said today, (laughs) you can just say the name of Jesus. You call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. 
What does this passage tell us? We have to believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have to believe in our hearts that he died for us and that he was rose, risen again on the third day. We have to believe that he is our Savior, our, our one and only Savior, and we have to choose to receive the gift that he gave us. You don't get saved by osmosis. You don't come into this atmosphere and environment and get saved without you believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Having faith in him, rooting yourself on the rock, not remaining on the sand that you're born into. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start a little bit earlier than where we were. Starting in verse 15. What we read at the beginning here, where he talks about being founded on the rock and having our house built on the rock and not on the sand, is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. But what comes right before it? Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will, be recon- you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, this is the most sobering passage in Scripture. If this doesn't wake you up as a believer... Pay attention. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does will of my Father, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. What was the difference? His relationship. I never knew you. Jesus knows all things. He knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows the thoughts that are going through your mind now, and now, and now, and now. You get what I'm saying? I never knew you. You never chose to enter into relationship with me. You never chose to put your trust in me fully. See, the principles of casting out demons and prophesying and doing these things in his name is something that anybody can put on. And because the Lord is gracious 
He'll free people from the demonic. I mean, if he can put a word in, in the mouth of a donkey. That's not what gets you into heaven. We'll look later on. These signs will follow those who believe. But just because you see those signs doesn't mean that that person believes. It, it should be evidence of the life. Our lives, as good, our lives should bear good fruit. Okay? But he's saying this. I never knew you. Because remember, the question is, do you belong to Jesus or not? Do you belong to Jesus or not? All right. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Go forward just a little bit here. Since we're talking about prophesying and casting out demons, this is when he sends out his 12 apostles. This is before Jesus died, went up on the cross, resurrected. He gives his apostles, the 12, authority in this situation to go do the things that he has been doing. And he sends them out. Right here he says, And he called them, called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And he gives all the names. And then in verse 5 we see, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Or as you're probably more familiar, freely you have been given, freely give. Don't charge anybody for what you're going to do. Because it's free. It's the free gift of God, and you're now representing him. On my authority, go. And he gives some other instructions about how they're to move around. But you see that what he is teaching them to do and training them to do is the same works that he is there to do. This is while he's alive. Let's go into Luke chapter 10. Because we see in some parallel passages here about when he sends out after this the 72. Okay? Same type of thing. It says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then he gives them instructions. And then uh, he says uh, in, in verse 9 here, Heal the sick. In it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. All right. If we go into verse 17, we find this. Actually, let's go to 16 because this is also important. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. 
Jesus is talking about representational authority. An ambassador of the kingdom, an ambassador of a country that goes to another country, is representing the president or royal or whomever is the head of that state in that country. So any way that that individual is treated is actually reflective upon the head of the state that they are coming from. Does that make sense? We understand that today in just diplomacy. But Jesus is saying that same thing. Whoever, re- whoever hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me, him who sent me. Who is the Father? Right? Okay. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Exclamation point. These 72 people who went out two by two all over the place have seen demonstrations of spirit and power come through them in ways that surprised them, and they had seen what Jesus had done. And they said, even the demons were subject to us. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So if we go back to what we were talking about in Matthew, what was he saying? It's not the signs that mean the most thing for you. What matters most is that you belong to me. That you belong to me. Yes, the signs are great. This is wonderful. Absolutely. But the most important thing, because what's the, what's the most important question? Do you belong to Jesus or not? He gets our focus back in on him. Brings it right back into him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Let's go to John, chapter 20, verse 21. Is this hitting anybody today? Anybody? This is at the time of the Great Commission. Okay? This is all in that same time frame. When Jesus is meeting with his disciples, you can read different accounts of what took place there from the different authors of the different Gospels. But this is one that you need to hear in the context of what we've just been talking about. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. He's not just talking to the twelve or eleven at that time. He's talking to them as representatives of all those who will follow after them. All authority is mine, and I'm giving it to you. Because just as I was sent by the Father, all the things that you've seen me do, all those things you've participated with in me, for the past three years I've been training you in this. You've, been, you've, you've done it. You've seen it. You've experienced it. It's come through your hands, but you've had me with you here. All that authority that I, I let you operate in there, 
I'm, I'm also giving it to you now. I'm sending you the way that I was sent. I'm about to go back up and sit at the right hand of the Father. But you know what you're supposed to do. Because I have discipled you. I have disciplined you into everything that you're supposed to do as my representative, as my ambassadors here. This is what you're supposed to do. And let's go then to Matthew chapter 28. Because this is the commission. All right. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I give you that authority. Go baptize them. Go disciple nations. You are the standard that the earth is, is to follow because you followed me. I'm commissioning you to go. Listen, we need to come to Jesus believing he is who he says he is in our hearts, confessing with our mouth, being baptized, being baptized into Christ in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What happens there when you're being baptized. When you're being baptized, you are identifying with his death and with his life. You are identified, you are marked in that moment, both physically and spiritually, as his. You're making a public declaration to the people around you and to the heavenlies that I belong to Christ. I am his. He is mine. My life is now found in him. I've already believed. This is the evidence of that belief. And there's a supernatural thing that takes place in that moment. In the heavenlies, they now recognize this is a new creation. They've gone through it all. They're in him. They no longer have access to that dead man. Hallelujah. All right. Ephesians chapter 4. So we've asked the question. Do you belong to Jesus? Is your house built on the rock? Do you see evidence of it in your life? And we see Paul say this to the, the church in Ephesus and us as well. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. It is a great honor for us to live as representatives of Christ. It is a great honor for us to worship him with our lives. It is a great honor for us to be alive in this time 
and to move in obedience to him. It is a great honor for us to do the works that he did because we're submitted and we're surrendered to him. What should we be seeing? The demons should be cast out. Those that are sick should be healed. Those that have leprosy should be cleansed. The dead should be raised. And those things all happen, folks. Is there evidence in our life of that happening? If it hasn't happened for you yet, you've got some goals to be working towards in the Lord. Lord, do the things that matter to you matter to me? But more important than all of those things is the gospel being proclaimed through my life to those who are around me. Are there people that are coming to Christ because of me following him? Am I proclaiming the good news? Listen, we are in a time where hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people across the earth are dying of a disease. It's not the only thing that people are dying of right now. Do they know the Savior? Do they belong to Jesus? What are we fighting for? Do the things that matter to God matter to us? He sent his Son so that all who believed him would not perish but have everlasting life. All of us is going to die at some point. Each one of us is going to die. And there are people that are dying right now. And he has sent us in his stead to go bring them eternal life in him. What are we contending for? Please hear me. It is important for us to be wise in how we lead our lives. But it's also important for us to recognize that God calls us into places that are extremely challenging and extremely risky. There are missionaries around the world right now that are risking their lives to bring the gospel of the kingdom to the lost, the broken, and the hurting. Some of them may lose their lives today doing that. There are people today who will likely be tortured for attending a meeting like this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus calls us into places that are extremely challenging. For a long time in this nation and many others, being a Christian is very comfortable. We can easily move in and out of meetings like this, and it's no thing. We're in a time where we're seeing it become increasingly challenging for things like this to happen. 
And I want to say this right now. For anyone who's watching at home right now, no judgment about staying at home. Okay? Please, please hear me on that. We're all making decisions, and we're all trying to live in good conscience before the Lord. But I'm recognizing the fact that it's becoming more challenging in many situations, and there's much opposition towards gathering together in a place like this. Okay? The temperature is turning up. The question is, do we belong to him, or do we not belong to him? Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Do you know him as the one who's called you into this life that is challenging, yet the most fulfilling thing that you'll ever do? And that's a question that you can only answer yes or no. I want to talk to kids right now. Kids that are present in this room, kids that are watching online. I was seven years old when I gave my life to Jesus. I was seven years old when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there are people that had had that happen to them far younger than me. Okay? My testimony. I was seven years old when I came to Jesus and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because at seven years old, I realized that my parents' faith needed to become my faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wanda said it here today. God doesn't have grandkids. He has kids. Each of us must answer the question, do I belong to Jesus? Am I his? I recognized that I wasn't going to be able to go to heaven based off of osmosis, just being around my parents and hearing their stories about what God had done in their life. I had to have my own stories with Jesus. I needed to have my journey with him and say, Lord, remember the time? Or have him say, Jay, remember that time you did something stupid and I bailed you out? Remember that time you should have lost your life there, but you didn't because I had a plan for you. We all need that with him. That is knowing him. To know him intimately. Each of us has a decision to make. Do I belong to Jesus or not? He came. He lived a perfect life. He was without sin. And he went to the cross for you. He paid the price for every sin you'll ever commit in your life. And he says, I'm the way to the Father. No one comes to him any other way but through me. I'm the door. I'm the gateway. I'm the good shepherd. I'm all of it. I am your all in all. I'm the everlasting Father. I'm the Prince of Peace. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and I want you to look like me. So that when other people see you, they see me and they see the Father. If you're going to try to keep your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you're going to find it. Because I want to inhabit every area of your life. I want to lead you every day of your life. I want to call you into the riskiest life there is. That as your life is poured out as a drink offering, more people will come to me. To the glory of the Father. 
and we will live in eternity together. Eternal life or eternal death? Do you know me or not? I came to know you. If you'd like to give your heart to the Lord today, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Anybody. It could be kids. It could be a youth. You could be 102 years old. doesn't matter. Anybody want to give their heart to the Lord today? Okay. Second question. You've given your heart to the Lord. But today as we're talking, you're recognizing, maybe there's some things I haven't done yet. Or maybe there's some things I've turned my back on here. I spent some time sowing my wild oats. Anybody else? After I'd been given my heart to the Lord. And he's great at that boomerang effect. And come back, right? I was a prodigal son. And when I came back, he welcomed me in with open arms because he's a loving father. Some of you may have given your heart to the Lord and you've been out sowing your wild oats and you realize, I'm putting a lot of extra rooms on this house out over sand. But I need to come back in. I haven't yet been baptized. I gave my heart to Jesus, but I haven't been baptized yet. I want to go deeper with the Lord. I want to be like Paul who says, I want to know Christ. I want him to transform my life. I want him to come inhabit. Because everything that I've experienced over these past few years has just shown me that I'm not really rooted and grounded in him. I've put a lot of my faith and my trust in a lot of other things, and I'm sinking in sand right now. If you're in that place right now, I want to invite you to say, Lord, I want to come back in. I want to come back in. I want to be rooted and grounded in you again. Is there anybody in this situation here today? You can be here present. You can be online. You can identify with that. Going once. Going twice. Okay. I'm going to assume everybody's good then. Would you stand? Do you belong to Jesus or not? If you belong to him, he's called you. And you have a life that is worthy in him. There's a, there's a conduct in your life that he's calling you to. Living that life in such a way that is worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He's fashioned you for a purpose. He's invited you in.
and there's, there's more for you. There's something that he's doing in us right now as a people. We're going to bring a word for it here before I pray over you. And I want you to listen to that. Rhonda, Rhonda, will you please come forward? I'd like you to share that word that you had. We've been through a lot of shaking. We've been through a lot of turmoil, personally and corporately. And I want you to hear this because there's some insight to the Lord from the Lord for us that's important for us to hear. Go ahead. Um, during worship, um, I had pictures from the Lord. And um, I felt that he was sharing his perspective on what we are going through as a people. And it was up close and personal. Now that's important. Because when you're going through something, all the shakings and the tribulations, the challenges that we've been going through as a body, I don't know about you. I'm looking at Pete because I know you're there with me, brother, at one point or a time. There were some points where I'm going, where are you in this, Lord? Are you just far off and we are on a train track and here we go? And our fate is just set. Are you far off? Or are you in it? Because if you're in it with me, that makes a big difference on how I experience this thing. Okay. So my mind was not there, but I guess he chose to answer some of that today during worship. And I saw two pictures, which I'll share. And then I heard... Psalm 93, Psalm 94, which are the bookends of this. The first picture I saw was the Lord was kneeling down on one knee, the other up, and he was very up close and attentive and watching this body of water, very attentive, watching the ripple effect, watching the wind's movement over this body of water. And I understood in this picture, he was waiting for the exact timing. The next picture that I saw was of a diamond that was about four to six inches below the surface in the ground. Now, when we think of diamonds, we think, oh, wow, they're really deep. And we know that diamonds are formed from the earth's pressure. And that's how they're transformed into one of the hardest materials, natural materials known to man. Okay. And I saw the Lord attentively watching. And then I saw this diamond that was being shaped from the pressure of the earth and felt the pressure of the earth. Although it was only four to six inches below this pressure. I saw the Lord when the right timing had come. I was looking at this diamond and the diamond was beautifully, perfectly shaped by this pressure. 
and beneath the ground it began to glow with a white light that was so bright, it's one you have to divert your eyes away. Very, very bright. And then I saw the Lord take the earth and began to brush it away, uncovering the diamond. I knew that we, his people, were the diamond. Now let me go to the two bookends, the scriptures here, and put this together. Come on, phone. There we go. Thank you. So Psalm 93. It begins in the beginning of this. There's a uh, reminder that his throne is established from old and that he is from everlasting. But then in verse 3, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves more than the sounds of many waters, than the mighty breakers of the sea. And then we go back in. The Lord on high is mighty. And your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house. So there in the in that psalm, there's the great pressure and the shaping of what is coming against them. But the Lord continues to say he was from the beginning and his testimonies are set. Then we go to Psalms 94 and here we are in the natural again. About verse 3, how long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour forth words, they speak arrogantly. All who are do wickedness vaunt themselves. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your, your heritage. And then several verses of, and they don't really pay heed to you. They're not intimidated by you. And then in verse 8, paid heed, you senseless among the people. And when shall you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge. Verse 11, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are a mere breath. 12, blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. For judgment will again be righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Who will take his stand for me against those who do wickedness? And then there's a testimony of the end result of how it played out. If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have dwelt in the abode of silence. If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness, O Lord, would hold me up. And when my anxious thought multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. Can a throne of destruction be allied with you? 
one which devises mischiefs by decree. They band themselves together against the life of the righteous and condone the innocent to death. But the Lord has been my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. And it continues on. Here's the main point, guys. The Lord is not far off. He's attentive and he's watching the workings of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is brooding over what is occurring. And though we may feel the pressure beneath the ground as being great pressure, the Lord has not put upon us or allowed to be put upon us that which would bury us. And he's watching for the exact time to begin to move the things of the earth, whatever is on the surface, to the side, and bring forth this church, his bride that is being shaped and formed. And though she may not be seen right now, she is not far off. She is not far off. And he is watching intently in perfect communion and timing with the Holy Spirit to then take his authority, his hand, and reveal her. Hallelujah. Thank you, Rhonda, for sharing that. He is forming us into something. The pressures that we've been experiencing, the tumult, all this stuff. It's all for purpose. And what I heard in there was that glowing, shining thing is being prepared and he will reveal it in good time, in his timing. The question remains... Do you belong to Jesus or not? If you belong to him, journey in him. Focus on him. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things are going to be added to you. Stop following the distractions. Don't turn right and left. The enemy is looking every way he can to distract you. But follow Jesus. If you're a young person, follow Jesus. If you're an old person, follow Jesus. If you're an in-between person, follow Jesus. He has a glorious future for you here on the earth and an even more glorious one in heaven when we go to our eternal home. Father, I thank you for your people. Lord, I ask that you would continue the work in us that you have started, Lord. Lord, in every way you've just convicted our spirits this morning, Lord, in every way you've said, here's something that I want. Here's, here's an area for you to grow in with me. Here's something else to let drop off in every single way, Lord Jesus. I just pray right now that you would continue that work in us this week. Lord, that we would be intimate with you and honest and transparent with you. I ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would plant a seed of hope inside the hearts of your people. Lord, that you would... Dust off those words of destiny that you have for us, Lord. Those dreams and those hopes and those pursuits that you have planted in our hearts, Lord, in you. Lord, that you would dust those things off and you'd breathe life again upon them. Lord, I pray for everyone who does not truly yet know you, Lord. Whether they're in this room, Lord Jesus, or they're watching online now or in the future right now, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you, 
Lord, would woo them to yourself. Lord, that you would continue to just draw them to yourself. Lord, I just pray for salvation, Lord Jesus, that they would know you, Lord Jesus. We just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for everything you're doing right now, Lord. And we surrender ourselves to you again, Lord Jesus. In your mighty name, amen. Thank you all for this morning. Wanda's going to release you. Give you some final instructions. God bless you. Praise God. As we prepare to leave the sanctuary and to go in the places that God has assigned us this week, I um, I have a ben- the benediction, and I'll pray the benediction over you. It's in number six. God gave it to a, um, Moses to pray over the children of Israel. And you've probably heard it many times before. It says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go and be a blessing. Amen. Those of you who have children downstairs, please go downstairs and meet um, Pastor Dan to pick up the children. And we look forward to you joining us next week and even sharing with us the awesome things that God has done in your life. Amen.